Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Tonight is going to be a little bit of a warm-up, a little pre-party for Cherish, but, but, guys, don't check out. The men are invited to this pre-party, too, because we are all part of the bride of Christ. We're all part of the church, and I know, guys, it's, it's a little bit hard sometimes for us to understand that analogy, like, that we are the bride of Christ. So, gentlemen, I want you to repeat after me. I am no one's bride. Hopefully that wasn't a surprise to any of you, but, but we personally, or we corporately are the bride of Christ, but each one of us individually is not the bride. If I had to associate the bride of Christ with one person, it would be the Proverbs 31 woman. The Proverbs 31 woman is the, the personification, if you will, of the bride of Christ. But the good news for the ladies is you don't have to be that person either. You don't have to rise before the sun. You don't have to spin wool out of flax unless you want to. I mean, that's cool if you do that thing. But uh, I have no idea how you would do that. And I'm guessing that a lot of people in here don't either. But that's okay. If you, if you do, great. But you don't have to do all of that stuff because we corporately are supposed to do it together. The body of Christ working together can fulfill all of those things. We can meet all the requirements. Each one of us, it would be impossible for any one of us to do everything. Just like it's impossible for any one of us to be perfect like Jesus was. He's the only one who could do it. But he's an example. He's a model. And we should follow after that model. We should have the expectancy that we're looking forward to that. So we're going to talk a little bit about cherish, but, uh, but really for me, um, when we think about that word, what, what comes to mind is actually wedding vows. When we, when we think about the word cherish, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish. It's interesting, interesting as we read those vows, and we've all heard them several times, but, but what's interesting to me is that cherish breaks the pattern. Cherish breaks the pattern. For better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish. There, there, there's no opposite to love that's needed in these vows. When you take the vows, it doesn't go the other way. There's no, there's no hate associated in these vows. Cherish breaks the mold, and that's what this conference is about for these ladies, about breaking the mold. Somebody say, it's time to break the pattern. That's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to be breaking some patterns, breaking some patterns off. And, uh, and, and I love this concept of the covenant of marriage, the covenant of marriage. When you read these vows, there's, there's so much in them. And marriage is a covenant relationship. And, and what that means biblically, scripturally, is it means it's a, it's a covenant in blood or it's a pact in blood. Um, in the Old Testament, when, when two parties came into a covenant agreement, it was very serious. They actually sacrificed an animal, they divided it in half, and then the two parties would walk through the middle of the sacrifice. They would literally be walking over the blood of the sacrifice to bring the compact, to form the compact together. So, so it was kind of a big deal if you broke this compact. If you broke a covenant agreement, it was very dishonorable. 
Now, when we say our wedding vows or our marriage vows, it, it doesn't, doesn't have the same connotations that it used to, but it is still a covenant relationship. There's honor in the covenant relationship regardless of the circumstances, and we are called to honor the covenant for better or worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, regardless of what's happening at any given time. Now, a kind of weak interpretation of this is that, that we just have to accept whatever comes our way. That whatever life throws at us, we just have to be fine with it. It's probably somebody who had this type of interpretation who said that marriage is the closest we'll come to heaven or hell while we're on earth. Somebody with a weak interpretation of what these vows mean. A little bit better thinking is to say that there, there are goods, there are bads. There's, there's seasons where these things can happen, but we have the ability, if something is broke, that we can fix it. Right? If something is broke, if something is negative, we can turn it into a positive. There's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza. There's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza, a hole. Then fix it, dear Henry, dear Henry, dear Henry. Then fix it, dear Henry, dear Henry, fix it. We got to fix the holes in the buckets. We don't have to live with the holes. But we do have the responsibility under the covenant agreement to fix some of the holes. If you're, if you're in sickness, then let's get back to health. You know, if you're poor, let's get back to richer, right? We don't want to stay in a state that is less than optimal, all right? So that's a better way of thinking about these vows and these philosophies. But the best way, the best philosophy is to expect greatness, Expect greatness in your marriage. When you take these vows, when you say these things, when you enter into a covenant relationship, you can look at it as options. Let's see, we have sickness or health. Hmm, I'm going to choose health. Let's choose health for our marriage. We can have poor or we can have richer. Yes, uh, let's go with option B, richer. We'll take that one. Thank you very much. Why do, we have to, why do we have to expect the negative? Why do we have to expect that the bad half of these vows is what's going to happen? We need to have the expectation that it's going to be great. The expectation that our marriage is going to be phenomenal. The expectation that any covenant relationship we enter into is going to be positive. And this is not just for the married people in the room either, but it's such a perfect example. It's a covenant relationship that God has established. You see, there's a partner to covenant, and the partner is expectation. In, in any agreement, in any accord, any compact, when two or more parties come together in this agreement, there's an expectation on both sides. There's an expectation that, that there's going to be a, a, an exchange. You know, maybe I would take my car into the shop and I say, if you fix my car, then I will give you money. That's the agreement. That's the, that maybe it's not a, a blood compact, hopefully not. <laughs> Well, sometimes when we, uh, when we come into a, a home loan and we sign 5,000 pieces of paper, I feel like sometimes it's a blood compact. I feel like, what does it mean in here, firstborn child will be surrendered upon default of loan? I don't, what is it, can you explain that to me? Every, every agreement has expectations. If you do the dishes tonight, honey, and I put the kids to bed, then we have the expectation that we might have some energy left for the end of the night where we can come into an agreement of sorts. Preach. Come on. Stand like that one. It's true for every part of the covenant relationship in these vows, and it's true for every covenant relationship. But it depends on how we define expectation. 
It depends on how we define expectations. Some, sometimes when we're thinking about uh, these agreements and relationships, especially covenant relationship, we, we start to feel the weight of it, and, and our mind defaults to, to obligations or requirements. So what are the expectations of me? Okay, I have to do all of these things as a part of this agreement. I have to, I have to act a certain way, and then, then oh no, if I, if I mess up or if I slip up, then I, am I going to fall out of the agreement, or what's going to happen? What's going to be the outcome if I, if I don't fulfill the expectations on me? But I think we need to start looking at it from a different perspective. And, and maybe some of us already are. And, and so I want to do a little bit of internal poll. You know, when, when I say the word expectations, does it have a negative or a positive connotation in your mind? Come on. There we go. Positive. She got the right answer. Somebody's on board. It should have a positive expectation, a, spot, a positive connotation. When I started talking about Cherish, all the ladies cheered. Why? Because you have positive expectations. You believe something good is going to happen. In fact, you believe that it's already started. The good news is already happening. The positive experience is already taking place. You're already expecting, you're already enjoying the thoughts of, of being around all the, the other ladies and, and sharing this time and hearing amazing worship and, and being able to praise and being able to come together and hear these messages. And it's already starting to, to generate a belief on the inside of you that something, is, something good is going to happen. But on the other hand, if we, if we hear expectations and we, all we can think about is, is what we've got to do or, or the obligations that we're under, then it can be deflating. It can be deflating. So the point is when you come into a covenant relationship, when you come into an agreement, we can choose to have positive expectations. We can choose to believe the best. We can choose to hope, even in the face of dark circumstances or dark times, even when we don't understand how to do it. That's what faith is. That's what belief is. Not knowing how it's all going to work out, but believing it's a positive outcome anyway. Believing that something good is going to happen through that situation. So tonight I just want to focus on, on one part, one part of our covenant relationship with God. The title of this message is For Richer, For Poorer. Jesus, Jesus established a covenant relationship between us and God. By his blood, the blood that was shed for our sins, we're able to come into that relationship. But the question I have tonight for us is, is what is or what are our expectations of that relationship? Do, do we have the mentality that, we, that, that, that something is expected of us? Like, do we have the expectation of obligation or expectation of requirement? Or are we looking at this relationship with God with excitement, with anticipation, with the belief that there's going to be good things coming into our life because of this relationship? So turn with me now, 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 19. Anybody have your Bibles tonight? Come on, it's good to bring your Bible to church. I'll read from the Bible. It's good to do. 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Now, now this next part, if you have your Bible, I want you to underline it, make a note on your phone, whatever you got to do. This is, this is very important. Their trust should be in God and watch this, watch this, who richly gives us all we need. Is, is that the end of the sentence? No. There's no period there. It continues on. For our enjoyment. Oh, let me read that again because I might ruffle some religious feathers. 
Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. God wants us to have an enjoyable life. God doesn't want us to live under a rock only having one shirt to wear, only having one morsel of bread that will just barely keep us alive. God doesn't want us to have just enough for us. He wants us to have enjoyment in our life. He wants us to have blessing. He wants us to have overflow. Why? Let's look. Let's look and see what it says next. We need all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future. Somebody say expectation. So that they may experience true life. Come on, how good is that? First point, we need to be rich in good works. Rich in good works. There's things that we need to be rich in, and there's things that we need to be poor in. And I want to talk tonight about some things that we need to be rich in. Being rich in good works. Like the beautiful Leanne Yarber. She is just a good doer all the time. She does good all the time. I don't think she's capable of not doing good. She can't help but doing good. She's rich in good works. If she sees a need, she goes out of her way to fill it. If she sees somebody's hurting, she, she spends her own time, her own money, her own resources to help those people. She is rich in good works. And she's able to trust in God. She, she works very hard. She and Brian work very hard for everything that they have. They, uh, she has an amazing business, and he's, a, he's an amazing businessman in real estate, and, and they've spent their entire life working very hard for everything they have. But, but their trust is not in their riches. Their trust is not in their money. Their trust is not in the material things. Their trust is in God. That's why they're happy when the need comes along to be ready to help out in any good work, to help those people. And I know there's so many more people in here like that, and we all need to be more like that. We need to be rich in good works. Why? Because we trust in God. We trust in God to provide for our, not just our needs, but, but our enjoyments as well. He's ready to provide, who richly gives us everything that we need for our enjoyment. The covenant relationship in this principle is trust. Trust. And this is a faith test. It's a faith test for, for every one of us. Where do we put our trust? Do we put our trust in our finances or do we put our trust in God? Where is your security? Is your security in him or is it your security in a material thing? It's, it's a tough question and we all have to approach it differently, but the key in this is faith. James 2, 17 to 18. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Wow. So the, the key ingredient is faith, but it, it requires activation. It requires something else. Faith is, what's, is, is, is the center of, of our trust in God. We, we can't see him. We can't always hear him audibly, but, but we know that, these, that he's there. We believe that he exists. So faith is the center point, but it requires something else. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. So the good works that, that, that God has presented, God has made available for us to act out, those are opportunities. If we trust in God, then we can take those opportunities when they come up. And it's not always immediately apparent that it's for our benefit. 
Yeah, and a lot of times it feels like we're, we're, we're on the short end or we're, we have to let go of something or somehow we're going to have less if we, if we do this thing. But that's not, a, that's, not a, that's not a faith speak. That's not faith speaking. If we have the expectation that we trust in God, then any good work that comes our way, we know that he's going to provide for our needs. And he's going to bless us through that. Because as we give, it will be given back to us. Pressed down, shaking together, and running over is going to be poured back into our lap. So we should be excited. We should be excited when these opportunities for good works come up. We should be excited at the prospect of doing a good deed. And why is that? Because like the other side of the coin of this covenant of trust is an expectation of true life. At the end of that scripture in 19, it says, by doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. True life is the expectation, the expectation that God is going to move. Earlier this year, at the beginning of the year, actually, I was uh, preparing to turn 40 in February. And so I felt, I felt like it was a, a, an a, a important time in my life, and I wanted to do a fast leading up to my birthday. So the 40 days before I turned 40, I was fasting. And uh, it, it, was, it was a challenge for sure, but, but I went into it with the expectation that God was going to move. And, and what I found through this fast is that it was like a covenant relationship. When I was thinking, uh, thinking about what I wanted, wanted to fast for, some specific things, and I made a list of 40 different things that I was fasting for, and, and maybe about half of them were covenant in nature. I was fasting for my wife. I was fasting for my family, my boys. I was fasting for our marriage. I was fasting for this church. I was fasting for Pastor Jurgen and Leanne and the staff of Awakened Church and the teams. I was, I was fasting for their benefit. Not, not that I would necessarily expect anything out of it, but I, I, I do believe that God was going to move through that. And, and what I mean is I wasn't expecting anything to come to me through it. I was, I was expecting breakthrough for them. I was expecting benefit for them. I was expecting overflow and blessing for them. Why? Because I'm in a covenant relationship. Because, because it... it, it whether or not it's a responsibility for me or an obligation for me, that, that's beside the point. I want to do it because I want to have a great life. I want to have a great marriage. I want to have a great relationship with my kids. I want our pastors to be blessed. I want this church to be blessed. Why? So that we can be a blessing. So that we can open up our doors in the middle of a pandemic when everybody else is shutting down. But we say, no, we believe that we're called to be open. We believe that we're called to be active in our faith. We believe that we're called to be meeting together. And we're reaping the benefit of that now. Maybe some of you in the seats right now weren't here before 2020. But you're here now because of the covenant relationship that was established between God and his bride. And all of the amazing people here today. The other half of the things that I fasted for, they were with an expectation of breakthrough in a lot of areas. I was, I was fasting that the mask mandate would be lifted in California. February, that happened. I was fasting that the mandate would be lifted in my work. March, that happened. I was fasting that we'd be in this building for Easter this year. That sort of happened. <laughs> we were outside, and we had 1,000 people over two services outside, our biggest service ever. 
because we had the expectation that God was going to do something. And then everybody got to take tours in the building. So technically, yes, we were in the building for Easter. We just didn't have actual service here with the big screen. I was very sad about that. But it was an amazing day, and I know that God is, is still doing things. Because um, during the service, we, we had uh, people driving by, honking their horns. We're like, count them. We had uh, security cards on the outside. We had homeless people walking up. Joey went and chased them down. And we're like, count them. We hit 1,000 people with that. I was fasting for the expectation of healing. Some people in our church that were battling cancer and other sicknesses. I, was, I had the expectation that we would have good reports, and we saw that time and time again. I was fasting for, for my neighborhood, for, for people in my neighborhood to come to God, and we saw some of our neighbors come to church for the first time in a long time. I was fasting and believing for, for people in our church to have baby breakthroughs that have been trying for so, for so long to, to have a child, believing that that's going to happen in 2020 in Jesus' name. What's the key ingredient here? Faith. Faith. Partnered with good works. Activated by good works. We need to be rich in faith. That's the next point. Proverbs 18.11. The rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. Now, if you live in, in San Diego and you, you have a house, or even if you live in an apartment and you have a car, then that automatically puts you in the wealthiest 10%, probably higher than that, in the whole world. Maybe even the, the wealthiest 5% in the entire world. Just, just living in San Diego and, and having a car puts you in the wealthy status. And different areas of San Diego are known for, for being affluent or more wealthy than others. And, and we used to live in one of those areas, like my wife talked about. And it was, it was very difficult at times living in that neighborhood to talk to people about God. And there was, we found there was just a bit of a resistance that people, people just didn't need God because they had their money. They had their wealth as their strong tower. If something went wrong, then they could default to that. They could rely on that until that thing went wrong that money couldn't fix. But then at that point, they had, they had nowhere to turn. Like they had already kind of closed the door on God. They'd closed the door on faith. So, so what was left? What was left? The question I have for us tonight is, is where or maybe how do we need God? In what area of your life do you need God? Need is a covenant relationship. Now, I, I may not physically need Lisa to live, but, but I need her to do the life that we're called to do. I absolutely cannot do this life that we're called to do without her. Maybe, maybe you can physically live without the presence of God in your life. But are you really alive? Are you really living? If you're rich in faith, it's realizing that you need God to do life abundantly. You may be able to walk through a meager existence without God, but life with God is immeasurably better. We need to need God. We need to need God. The lack of money doesn't necessarily mean that, that you have faith. There's plenty of people, and it's sad to say, that, that don't have money and they don't have faith to go along with it. And we do see several people around here that for whatever reason over the course of life, they, they have uh, rejected God. But Matthew 5.3 says, 
God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is there. It's our, it's our job, it's our responsibility to be open to minister to those people who don't even know that they need God. Maybe they've never been exposed to the gospel. Maybe they've, they've never heard the good news. But that's why we're here, to share the good news of the gospel. For richer or for poorer, the covenant of faith brings a blessing. The covenant of faith brings a blessing, and that's our expectation tonight. Luke 4.18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. That's the good news. The good news for the poor is you don't have to be poor no more. That you can actually be rich in faith. You can have riches from, the, from heaven. You can have blessings from heaven that are activated by faith. Faith establishes the need for God, regardless of our circumstances. Like those vows that we talked about at the beginning. Regardless of, of what happens in life, the circumstances, we've entered into this covenant relationship with the Creator, with the Almighty. And He can bless us abundantly. Rich or poor, anyone with faith can expect a blessing. Somebody say amen. amen. But it doesn't end there. We need to be rich in him. Rich in him. Way back in the dinosaur ages of the internet, my, uh, my dad had an AOL account. And uh, his handle, his name is Richard, his handle was rich in him. Rich in him. And uh, you guys remember the 56K modem? <laughs> Anybody under 30 is like, what the heck is coming out of his mouth? <laughs> and you're like, don't pick up the phone, don't pick up the phone, it's going to cut the, ah. Oh. <laughs> Anybody remember that? <laughs> come on, come on. It's a good thing the movie The Matrix came out when it did, because if it came out now, nobody would understand that. But, th but you can actually understand it back in the day, the 56K modem. Ah, like that's how he gets through the telephone. Yeah, it's the internet. Goes into the phone. <laughs> Rich in him, Colossians 2.7, let your roots grow down deep into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Truth is the covenant relationship that's needed to be rich in him. It's, it's, it's my heart, it's our heart, all the pastors, all the staff of the Heart Awakened Church, that, that everyone who comes into this place would be open and available for God to be real with you. A covenant relationship requires honesty. And we can, we can be dishonest to other people, we can cover things up, we can hide things, but we can't be dishonest to God. God knows everything about us. He knows our, our deepest, most intimate thoughts and feelings. If we want to be in a covenant relationship with him, then we have to let him, every single one of us, there's no exceptions, every single one of us at some point in our walk, we have to let him be real with us. We have to let him into those places so that he can do what he wants to do in our life. And that's what faith is, is, is realizing that, that God wants to bless you. God wants to, to come in and make you better. 
If we give him space to operate, then he'll do that. Proverbs 4, 7, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Each of us is responsible for our own lives. We can have mentors, we can have disciplers, we can have leaders, we can have pastors, but ultimately each one of us is responsible for our own lives, for our own actions. And that's why I love the recovery ministry that we have here, because it's about getting down to the truth. It's about uncovering the, the facade. It's about removing all the layers that, that maybe have, have built up over the years and, and realizing what's most important in our life. And then getting back to that, supporting that, the foundation of truth. Then it, sa it says, then your faith will grow strong in the foundation of truth. The foundation of truth is where your faith grows. So what's the expectation? You will overflow with thankfulness. I look at Joey, this mighty man, and he's always thankful. He's just thankful all the time. He has this, this spirit of thankfulness about him. And that's an overflow of him getting real with God and allowing God to get real with him. And, and not just in the recovery ministry, and I believe that recovery is for everybody, that everybody needs recovery at some point in your life. But the expectation, the difference is that, that when, we, when we look at, at what thankfulness is, operating out of the overflow, we don't, we don't have to wait till 10,000 days sober to be thankful. Like we don't have to, to wait for some, some end date. We don't have to wait for some specific result to be thankful. No, thankfulness is an expectation. You can be thankful right now in the middle of the trial, in the middle of the problem. If we have an expectation that God is already moving, then we've already won. We're already recovered. Whatever it is that we need recovering from, we've got to shift from looking for the result to the expectation that it's already done. And that can happen right now. Why don't we all stand up as we close? Everyone needs recovery. Sight to the blind, health to the sick, freedom to the captives, hope to those who are in despair, good news to the poor, expectation to those who are in need, salvation to those who are lost. As we come to a close, I'd like to pray and and the first step in this covenant relationship is believing that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross. And then the spirit of God raised him from the dead into everlasting life. And if we believe that, the Bible says we are saved. That's it. The lost are found through belief. The lost are found through faith. And if you've, never, if you've never received that free gift of grace, that free gift of salvation, and you'd like to enter into that relationship with your Heavenly Father, then right now with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, I'd love to pray with you. Wherever you're at, if you just lift your hand, I'll include you in that prayer. Thank you, Jesus. See that hand, see that hand, see that hand, see that hand. So proud of you. See that hand over there. Thank you so much. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for the lost found. Thank you, Jesus, for faith rising up. God bless you. See that hand. So proud of you. God bless you. 
Thank you, Jesus. Maybe there's some, some people here today and you've, you've entered into that relationship. You've said a prayer like that, but you, when you think about it, all you think about is expectations. All you think about is obligations. It's hard to, it's hard to have the joy in your life. For, for whatever reason, this is not about judgment. It's not about condemnation. It's not about fault finding. It's just about changing your definition of expectation from obligation to potential. Your potential in Him. It doesn't matter the road that you've walked on. What matters is the road that's ahead of you. You can choose expectation as a positive thing in your life. You can choose to believe that God has provided for all your needs, for your enjoyment. You, you can choose to believe that even though you've made mistakes, the blood of Jesus has covered those and you don't have to walk down that road anymore. You can choose a new path. If there's anybody that needs to make that choice today, would you lift your hand? I'd love to pray with you. God bless you. See that hand. So proud of you. Anyone else? God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you. Why don't we do this? Everybody here today, just say these words after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins. I believe that you raised him from the dead and that he is with you in heaven. And I believe that God is my Father, that heaven is my home, that I have expectations for a great life here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. So good. I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much. All of you that lifted up your hand over here after the service, my friends have a gift they would love to give to you. A Bible, if you don't have one, and a book to go on along with it called Following Jesus. Some simple ways that you can have great expectations for your life. But before we close, I want to pray for us, and I'm going to invite the ministry team to come down. If any of these areas spoke to you specifically, if you need to be rich in good works, if you feel like you have a calling to do this and, and you need... God to enter into your life, God to transform something in your life to help you on that path. You can either come and uh, get advice from Leanne, or you can come pray at the altar, and uh, that's a great way to do it to it. If you need to be rich in Him, if you need to have a, 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 an expectation that your roots are going down deep in Him, then come to the altar. They'd love to pray with you. If you need to be rich in faith, if you find it hard, you find it like there's a bit of a struggle to have faith, to believe for the big things. You feel like it's kind of easy to believe, okay, yes, God exists, but then there's other things in your life where you find it hard to believe. Come down and let's pray that, that God would increase that measure of faith in your life, that there would be good soil all around your life, that you have an expectation of blessing and favor coming into your life. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that, that you have given us the expectation that good things are happening. God, that we would be rich in good works. We would take these opportunities that you've given us to bless other people. That we would use our resources, our time, our abilities to help those who are in need. God, we would see the hand of God. We would see the power of God move mightily for them and in our own life. God, I thank you that we can be rich in faith. That you love us so much that you gave your son for us to establish this relationship, this covenant. I thank you for an increase that faith would be in abundance here. We would see those miracles happen. We would see cancer healed. We would see those who are depressed come to new life. We would see those who are in addiction break free in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that we're rich in you, that our foundation is in you and in your word. 
I thank you that we can dig deeper into your word. We can dig deeper into our relationship with you. And God, that you would allow us, you would allow us to have the, the, the faith to bring you into our most intimate places where you can be real with us because we have the expectation that we are recovered in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.